Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill building courses for you to choose from because the steps that you choose to take today will help you to love what you do in the future. And that's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play welcome to how to money i'm joel and i am matt and today we're discussing quiet quitting cheap ribeyes and another housing recession Yeah, that's the big question, right? Is this going to be, uh, are we living in another housing bubble? We're talking about that today, along with a bunch of other stories. This is our Friday flight, man, where we tackle some of the different headlines that we think are the most important, the headlines we think you need to pay attention to this right. week. But f- real quick, did you see that uh, it's like, what is it, National Cinema Day th- this, this weekend? Yeah, we're not talking about the senator from Arizona. This is not National <laughs> Kristen Cinema not Day. Kristen Cinema Day. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is, uh, yeah, so September 3rd, all movie theaters, they're only going to be three bucks. I'm sure a lot of folks have maybe even already seen that, but if not, know that you can get in to go see a movie at prices you hadn't seen since like 1988. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And and even so three bucks to go see a movie and, and the big movie chains are participating too. So Regal and AMC. Yeah, all of them. Yeah. And regardless of the format as well, which 
I didn't dive Maybe into you go see an IMAX. Yeah, which is typically eighteen bucks, exactly. or I don't even know what even, it costs anymore. Because when's the last time you've gone to see a movie? I've I think I went once during the pandemic. Took the kids to see a Disney movie, but you like rented the whole place out to yourself. <laughs> basically, right? there was no one else there. So, but I haven't been to a movie since. And honestly, I probably won't go this weekend. Well, got a lot of other stuff going on. Yeah. Well, even if, if I didn't, I don't know. I might be up for a three dollar movie. That sounds like fun. Like that's what it would take to get me out into an actual movie theater to mm-hmm. see something out of the comfort of my own home. You and I, we were talking about this this morning. Ross Douthat, one of our, uh, he's a great writer over at the Times. And he was talking about how we're in the age of blockbuster TV, right? Where you're seeing the different platforms spending millions of dollars on their programming. And essentially... Hundreds of hundreds millions. Hundreds of dollars. millions. I mean, well, yeah, Lord of the Rings. Is it something like 700, which releases, 700 million? <laughs> I think tonight, basically, if you're listening to this uh, on, on the day it comes out. Yeah. And but, it, but it makes sense because there's so much great programming at our fingertips on our big screens and the convenience that that offers. When you're in the stage of life that we're in, man, we are... Kate and I, we're going to be more way more prone to watch a movie sitting at home than yeah. actually, you know, after we put the kids down rather than, than going out. Well, it's typically just a really expensive endeavor to go see yes, a movie, especially yeah. if you, you're, you're a family. Like if, even as an individual, though, thinking about spending 15 bucks or more to go see a movie, it's like, it's prohibitively expensive. And that's assuming you're not going to get popcorn and a drink. <laughs> that's which... assuming you're shuffling in your own snacks, right? But, uh, <laughs> and which, I don't know if that's frugal or cheap. We can cover that at a later date. But that's, uh, for when, especially when you're talking about buying four or five or or six tickets mm. as would be the case for your family too many uh, tickets you, you gotta wait for national cinema day every year and that that might be the only day it even crosses your mind to go see a movie like, all right kids once a year we go, <laughs> <laughs> we go to the theater exactly yeah the idea of going to the movie theater though with a two-year-old uh, almost three-year-olds uh now that you, you and i both have that does not sound fun for anyone. Yeah. No, <laughs> not worth it, no matter if it's free, even, right? So, yep. uh, all right, let's move on, Matt. Let's get to all the stories we found interesting this week. We will put a link, by the way, in our show notes to National Cinema Day so you can see all the details. But the the, the first story we want to cover is actually about electric vehicles because, yeah, the price of electric vehicles is rising faster than, I don't know, gas prices were rising just a few months ago, Matt. You know, it's rising at a rapid clip yeah, there been for a minute. Going down, I think, for almost three months straight, which is good news for everyone but uh, electric vehicles are literally going up in price five times faster than their and i know you're trying to get this term adopted their ice counterparts their internal combustion engine counterparts I'm, I'm, yeah i'm not going to try to make that stick because it doesn't make sense <laughs> like it, the, the abbreviation makes sense but yes. it just does not seem to fit when you, when you say it out loud gasoline powered vehicles is what i will continue to say okay all right well this was according to ic cars who does just a lot of surveys like this and and part of that is because of a lack of inventory but rising battery costs are another piece of the puzzle of why electric vehicles are costing so much these days. And manufacturers, they seem to be focusing on the luxury and truck markets too. So the EV makers know that there's more profit to be made if they make a fancier version of an electric vehicle. That's why we're seeing cars like the Nissan Leaf basically uh, die, right? The Nissan has said, we're not manufacturing this car anymore. And you and I, we really like electric vehicles. We, we truly do think they're the future, but a massive chunk of these vehicles becoming unaffordable for the average person doesn't really bode well for EV adoption. And uh, California just passed a law, too, that bans the sale of gas cars by the year 2035. That is that is not too far in the future. And I think, you know, we could see electric vehicle prices rise even more because of this. And again, EVs are probably the future. We like them a whole lot. 
but there are some physical and financial constraints that are probably going to prevent us from becoming a nation of EV drivers uh, in the near future or to see we're just not going to see adoption continue at the rate that we've been seeing it if prices continue to do what they're doing. Yeah. And with uh, the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, we saw gas prices uh, increase dramatically, right? Like this is back in March. And right about that same time, too, we see the price of electric vehicles skyrocket. Uh, and so the reason I, I mentioned that <laughs> is because I think it's important to keep in, in mind like the in, like the whole picture, the entire picture of what's going on. Uh, and even though folks are looking at gas prices and they're thinking, oh, like, I don't know if I want to pay that anymore. It's also important to take into account the, the total cost of what it's going to take to get you somewhere. Mm-hmm. You got to take into account the cost of that electric vehicle. But Joel, you mentioned how the price of gasoline has been dropping over the like, I think the past 80 days or so. Uh, that's the good news. But there's a little bit of bad news that we need to mention as well. Uh, and that is that heating costs are likely going to be increasing this winter as natural gas prices. They've been soaring in, in recent weeks and, and really over the past the past year. It's not going to be as bad as what we, uh, what's been happening in Europe, where utility bills have more than doubled in the past year. Oh, man. Um, it's to, to see dude, the stories about what's happening with consumers it's in insane. Great Britain and stuff like or in Germany. Yep. It is. It's not a good place they're, to be right now. Yeah, they're in a world of hurt. Yeah. But, but even still here in the U.S., I think it's important to start preparing, start budgeting now, start preparing to spend more money, more of your income for utilities this winter. Uh, and if you are in a state where you can shop your rates... Which, which you can do in something like 20 states around the country. Be sure to do so. But then even still, the, the question remains, do I lock in with a fixed rate and hopefully secure maybe a, a lower price per therm, thinking that rates are going to be, go, be going up? Or do you kind of gamble a little bit, pay the variable rate, which tends to be higher, thinking that, okay, surely rates are going to come down. Who knows what the future is going to hold? Personally, I think prices are going to continue to go up because I think I think things are going to they might look pretty crazy this winter in, uh, regarding the the energy costs. Not only that Europe is experiencing, but then how that's going to impact the U.S. as I, well. I typically like to take the burden hand on that when it comes to natural gas rates, and I like to lock in the rate. And the reality is that a lot of other competitors in the space they'll often pay for your your break fee if they're offering a better deal and they really really want your business. They'll pay for you to break your contract contract with your current provider. Mm-hmm. So um, I would say that those offers are, at least here where we live, but in a lot of other states too, those offers are good enough from other competitors that you can lock in, uh, securing yourself a better rate than you would be uh, sticking to some sort of variable rate plan, and then hoping that you're going to get a good offer from somebody else in the future too. Yep. But yeah, buckle up and uh, prepare your budgets accordingly and use, I don't know, space heaters maybe instead of yeah. uh, heating the whole house. Like there's all sorts of Ways. Invest, invest in a pair of long johns. Yes. Like, <laughs> go to your local Walmart or Amazon, whatever, and your local Goodwill. But I think more people should be considering uh, locking down those base layers in order to stay warm in the winter. Agreed. We'll yeah. be talking more about that, I'm sure, this winter. Because yeah. <laughs> we've never, so, you know, we're in our, our new space here, and we have no idea what the uh, what the heating bill might be. And so, at the old place, it was fairly easy to keep it kind of warm and toasty down there. But in this older carriage house, the jury is still out. Yeah, kind of leaks like a sieve, I think. <laughs> based on everything I can tell. And while we're talking about transportation, let's talk about let's talk about bikes for a second because, I don't know, that's what we do. And I was listening to a, an interview recently from a guy who wrote kind of a, his, a book about the history of bikes. It was just, it was fascinating. And it really is, it's one of the best inventions 
ever made. It's it's really trans transformed the way we can get around as people. And I feel like the the pandemic actually shown a spotlight on bikes in a really a really beautiful way. We saw bike sales ticking up. I saw more people out on two wheels, and I I mean I thought that was awesome. And then recently we talked about the massive rise in the popularity of e-bikes. Well, sadly, e-bikes were not carved out in the recent uh, Inflation Reduction Act bill. We talked about the electric car rebates that were included, but e-bikes didn't get any love. And that we don't like seeing because we think they're a game changer when it comes to getting around town and being good for the environment. But Axios actually just wrote a story about e-bike benefits that a whole lot of states, cities, and companies are offering. Mm-hmm. And I did. I guess I just didn't realize that the, the benefits were that numerous around the country from different... Like, I think Denver is is one of the places where you can buy an e-bike and you can get some sort of tax credit from from the, the city. And so we'll, we'll link to actually... There's a Google Doc that tracks incentives around the country and in Canada. And so we'll link to that in the show notes. But basically, if you've been considering one and you're bummed that the federal government didn't include any sort of any sort of rebate for that e-bike purchase, uh, that they haven't done anything about that yet, but maybe you've balked at the price. You're like, they're really expensive. And mm-hmm. they are. But we think that if you use them enough, they're going to pay for themselves because you're going to be in your car less. You might find uh, that there's some financial assistance out there, which is great. So again, we'll link to that in the show notes. And hopefully uh, there's something where you live that will reduce the price of that e-bike that maybe you've been wanting to buy. That's right. All right. Let's uh, let's talk about whether or not we are in a housing recession. Uh, that's a phrase that's that's being tossed around quite a bit right now. The definition is even harder to agree on than the uh, the one for an economic recession, it seems like. Uh, but it is true that home sales, they are slowing. Uh, we're also seeing that inventory is increasing as more folks are listing their homes for sale. And we are also seeing more price cuts. Uh, for the first time in quite a while, U.S. home values fell month over month. And granted, it was only like it was a minuscule amount. It was like 0.1%, <laughs> something like that. Basically, just flatline. I don't think a 0.1% drop uh, <laughs> makes a housing recession. Does that sound like a, a bubble popping? Right. Um, it, it doesn't to us. You know, this doesn't sound like a housing recession. But the reality is that those are all good things. All of these changes that we've seen recently. And that's because the housing market, like like much of the, the rest of the economy, was booming in an unsustainable way over the past couple of years. The, the typical home, it is still worth something like 45% more than it was in 2019, wow. which is a massive increase, more than what we've typically seen. And so the, yeah. the nat- natural question is... <laughs> much more than, what, than yes, the typical, right? Yeah, yeah. And so folks are like, oh no, the, the sky's falling just because it's kind of flatlined for a little bit. And it's like, no, 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 take another step back. Look at the big picture. Do you realize how much equity you have in your home that you've realized over the past couple of years? But the natural sort of next question is, will home prices continue to fall? Um, that's a great question <laughs> because they certainly could, but we feel it's unlikely that, that we're in store for any sort of meaningful housing crash, given the fundamentals, given for the, the increased demand that we're seeing for housing that coupled with the much smaller supply of housing that we've created uh, here in the U.S. over the past decade. We think that that means that prices will continue to rise, maybe just not at the clip that we've seen recently. Well, that's an interesting point, Matt. I mean, I think I, I could see that happening, but I, I could see certainly not a housing recession, but I could see housing prices continue to decline further uh, moving forward into the coming months. And I think a lot of that, so much of that is tied to what happens with rates. And we've seen sure. rates, even just this week, bouncing back up, hitting basically uh, right at 6%. And if we see rates um, on mortgages continue to climb, that's going to curb affordability even more. And so I think we could see prices, um, prices have to go down. That's uh, true. B- 
because of that. So yeah, there might be some small declines. It's not going to be a pop, right? No. Like nothing's going to crash. The recession term is for the housing market. It's a bit extreme. It's it's extreme, and yeah. we we don't necessarily see anything close to that happening in the near future. But that remains to be seen. And there are people on YouTube making videos about this because they want the clicks and they want to they want to incite fear, I think, and panic into people. Or and and for for some people who who have wanted to buy a home and they haven't been able to afford one yet, Matt, they they they're kind of hoping for this too, right? They're hoping for some sort of housing market calamity so they can buy a home at a cheaper price. And I totally understand that, but the reality is that's unlikely to happen. And we just released episode 551 about buying a home in this crazy expensive market. You might be wondering, am I nuts to still be making offers? We don't think so because as long as your personal finances are in good shape and you're planning to own that home for a decent chunk of time, we would say at least seven years, preferably a decade, we're totally fine with you going in that direction, even though there's a quite a bit of uncertainty about where the housing market is headed in the short term, um, because housing prices, they might continue to decline for a little while. Um, they might continue to creep up. It's very hard to predict what's going to happen in the short term. There are just so many factors at play. But for you, if you're financially prepared to buy a home, I wouldn't let these doom and gloom predictions of a housing recession prevent you from trying to buy a house if you're in the position to do that. That's right. Speaking of houses, the Atlantic just published an article about the uh, HGTV-ification of America. Clearly, there's more streaming home renovation content out there that's available to us now more than ever before. <laughs> that's because a huge percentage of your, your friends, your neighbors, your family are, are likely watching it. And while it might be entertaining, it's also changing our consumption patterns. It's, it's kind of subconsciously making us want to embrace like these some of these specific trends for the homes that we live in. It's making some of the things that are currently in our home seem more disposable than maybe they, they should be. So so, for instance, like the more white appliances that get ripped out of a, a kitchen on TV, well, the, you know, the more difficult it's going to be for us to continue to stare at our own white appliances that work perfectly fine. Oh, man, if they didn't look good, if, if the designers on whatever show I'm watching thought that they had to be ripped out, well, then clearly mine are long in the tooth and I need they need to be replaced yeah. also. Personally, I think white appliances uh, look pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, but this is just another form of comparison. You know, like we're, we're becoming less okay with the things in our life that are still working perfectly fine. And you know, this doesn't necessarily mean that we think that HGTV or these home renovation shows or, you know, flip it or flop or whatever, that they should be banned. <laughs> There's so many names. <laughs> Design of the time. Flip it or flop. I don't know. Like uh, Property Brothers. Oh, yeah. My, buy, my mom could probably buy my house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's got the, the roster. She's got the lineup. But I want to share this because I think that the, the opportunity still lies with us to control what entertainment we're consuming. There are multiple points where we have the opportunity to just not watch the stupid show. Or if like, if you want to watch the show, you still have the opportunity to say, okay, I'm going to watch that as entertainment, but I'm not going to allow that to affect how I feel about my own residence. Or even mm -hmm. if I do feel like my, my own home feels, like you said, like long of the tooth, it's feeling kind of outdated. You still have control over your behavior as to whether or not you rip those appliances out and purchase new stuff. So I just want to emphasize personal responsibility and the ability that we have over our own decisions in order and, and how that's going to affect our money. Just this past Wednesday, we talked about uh, the different marketing maneuvers out there that, that stymie our growth, right? The things that keep us from achieving the goals that we want to achieve. And, it's n and nowhere within that episode did we say that, well, marketing should not exist. Yeah. No, that, like that, that can exist. Burn every billboard down to the ground. <laughs> Although it would make our interstates, I don't know, feel a little more pleasant. That is true. Uh, but it is up to us in the end to decide 
decide what it is we're going to consume, how we feel about those things, and then ultimately what we spend our money and our resources on. I, I completely agree. And if you start to feel like maybe the things that you're taking in media-wise are pushing you to consume more, we, I mean, we've talked about that, like social media, people around us, like keeping up with the Joneses, it's a real thing that all yeah. of us feel, even Matt and I feel, right? I'm the not, temptation it, at times. Yeah, I'm not saying that it doesn't exist, yeah. but what are you going to do about yeah, it? Yeah, and if you can cull some of those things out of your media consumption habits, it might help you avoid some of those downer feelings you might get sure. about uh, the place where you live. And you might be like, wait a second, I like my house. I just started to think for a second because I'm watching all this stuff that I needed to upgrade this, this, or that, or yeah. I needed to rip everything down and get to the studs and start over when your house might be perfectly good. And and so I guess, yeah, sometimes we just let those outside influences have too much power over us. Totally. But, Absolutely. All right, Matt, we got more to get to on this Friday flight, including some good news on price drops at the grocery store. We haven't been able to say much of that lately. No, that's true. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that and more right after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. 
That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash how to money for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash how to money for an extended 30-day free trial. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. All right, we're back for the break, and we will talk about that affordable red meat, specifically ribeye. Uh, it's, it's a lot cheaper uh, these Brisket days. Too. We'll get there. Yeah, but let's share the ludicrous headline of the week. This one's from the New York Times, and uh, this one reads, The Rise of the Productivity Score. And, dude, to be honest, this article was, was kind of tough to read. The Times, they detail how more employees across the economy are being tracked, they're being recorded and ranked. Uh, and those tracking systems, for some folks, are even docking your paycheck if you are not being productive enough, if uh, you're not meeting your quotas, if your screen falls asleep for maybe more times than is allowed. Uh, this certainly feels like something out of a dystopian novel or film. Uh, it sounds like, I mean, honestly, downright depressing to have your efforts reduced down to just a, a simple numerical score. No wonder quiet quitting is is becoming a trend. You know, like I don't mean to say that this is a good trend necessarily. Like I don't think two wrongs ever make a right. Uh, and I'm all about working hard. You know, like like doing the best that we can for any employer uh, out there. But dude, the more employers are, are trying to track us and turn us into widgets, I think the the more that trust is going to deteriorate. And without trust, it's going to be difficult to maintain and, and even establish a successful business. Yeah. Right. And that like, quiet quitting, by the way, it, it's basically in reference to people doing the bare minimum to get by. It's right, like, right. I kind of, in essence, quit. I still want the paycheck, but I'm just going to kind of mail it in. Like, I'm not going to put a lot of effort behind yeah. the tasks that you've assigned me. And I, I get it. If your employer is treating you like this, uh, then I understand that reaction. But we would also say there's a better way forward and you should probably just leave an employer who, who treats you like this. And I think like part of this is the, the quick switch to work from home, Matt, that employers maybe feel the need to keep tabs on their employees a little bit more. It sounded nice in the beginning for employees to be working remote and they can kind of shift their hours a little bit more to be productive at different times of day, but not every employer is down with that. And and apparently some people are installing like software that causes their mouse to jiggle because it's uh, mouse jigglers, <laughs> which I think is a great term, but uh, it, to make it look like they're doing work even when they've stepped away from their computer. But they feel the need to do that because their employer is tracking them every single minute of the day. And yeah, the reality is, I think that employers, they should be hiring folks that they trust to do the job they've hired the person to do. And, and that means tracking based on results that can be measured, not time spent working, not clicks of the mouse. They're not just looking for, it just reminds me of in school doing busy work, right? It was like, mm -hmm. that's that's not what we're looking for. And that's not what employers should be looking for. Being big brother every minute of the workday 
it's going to lead to worse outcomes overall. Yeah. And, and it's not that they're not measuring results. They're just measuring the wrong things. The wrong things. Right? Like with this, I mean, we're seeing, we've seen a massive increase in the ability for folks to work from home and different technology companies are out there trying to figure out how it is that they can measure the, the productivity of their employees. So like, I get what's going on here, but I think what this means is, I mean, like, like we're talking about turning employees into widgets and instead of looking at employees as widgets, like, I mean, managers need to do a better job proactively managing their employees and whether that's the relationship they have with them or working with them to sort of establish whatever goals there are. Offer more carrots instead of sticks. Yeah. You know, dude, absolutely. Instead of saying like, I'm going to penalize you if your mouse isn't moving for, you know, every single minute of every single day, you could, you could offer more incentives and be more motivational instead of just being ready to punish. <laughs> the exactly. first yeah. first instinct uh, when the mouse isn't moving. Yeah, it's it's a so- it's a solution provided by software that truly does turn us into widgets. Yeah. And and widgets are fine, you know, when you're creating a machine like a cold lifeless machine, but that's not who people are, you know, like that's not what a company is. And the other thing too, if you start treating people like widgets, like cogs and gears in this machine, and the, the idea is that you're able to then swap those people out very easily, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, folks are going to do that themselves. Like they're going to be more likely to leave the company because they're seeing that they're not valued because they're, they're realizing that, well, what's the point of staying here when I can just hop over here? All things being equal, I would rather get paid a little bit more. And maybe in fact, I will be treated uh, a little bit better over there as well. Yeah. And I, I think some, some of the headlines make it sound like there's just this general reticence to work that maybe people don't like to work as much as they used to. And I don't really actually think that's true. The young people are maybe allergic to working nine to five or something like that. Right. I, I think that's, I think that's a wrong take. Uh, I think they just hate their specific job <laughs> or maybe they, they don't like their employer the way their employer is treating them. Or, I mean, or they might think that they don't like to work like, right? Like on the surface level, they're thinking, yeah, I don't want to work. I want to spend my time doing other things. But if you take that view, I think you're like, you, you are, in, you're discounting the intrinsic value that work can bring to your life. Because yeah. when you eliminate that from your life completely, uh, you're, you're eliminating purpose to a certain extent. You're also and, eliminating income, which is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's well, the solution there is like, well, give you like, can you give me money? Like, yeah. can that money be provided from another source without me having to work? But when you remove that purpose, I think you also remove like life satisfaction and happiness and just kind of all the, the different things that come with what feels like living a, a meaningful and productive life. Yeah. So I think the, the remedy is to find a new job if your job sucks or if your employer is treating you like a widget and good news the job market's hot you can land yes, a bigger paycheck is. better working conditions at the same time so yeah if, if you're kind of in that quiet quitting stage like I'm just going to do the bare minimum and just kind of hold my nose uh, at the, the stinky situation that is this job then you should you should really start looking you should start pounding the pavement and uh, start applying for other jobs and start and look for companies that specifically are known to have a good company culture um, so that you don't end up in the same situation elsewhere. But Matt, let's let's move on. Let's talk about food for a second and how there's some good news at the grocery store, uh, especially for carnivores, for meat yeah. eaters, because steak's getting cheaper, baby. <laughs> and that's news to my ear. We're actually, we're talking about year over year changes here. So almost every cut of steak, when you look at the numbers, actually costs less now than it did in September of 2021. 
ribeye is 10% cheaper and brisket is 18% cheaper. Mm. I actually kind of know this anecdotally from talking to my <laughs> cousin's husband when he smoked a brisket a couple weekends ago. And he was like, man, prices are so much better than they were a few months ago. Meat's back on the menu, boys. <laughs> <laughs> I think he said it was like it was like $7 a pound and now it's down to closer to four. So that's, great. that's, a, that's a big discount. Uh, but yeah, for a minute, those prices were just massively elevated and our advice was consistently to you guys was to trade down to instead of buying ribeye get something cheaper uh, and cook that for dinner because yeah uh, ribeye at seven dollars a pound is so much different than ribeye at fourteen dollars a pound and i'm i'm a fan of eating steak every now and again i don't do it all that often but uh, actually matt i got some this week because i noticed the price was down when i was in the store and then i saw this story and i was like it's true it's totally true and so uh, would you you pick that up at costco i did and so maybe maybe (laughs) i'll start eating more steak again in the near future uh well on that note the Washington Post, they actually had an article about how buying meat in bulk can save you even more money. And I'm not talking about a double pack of steaks at Costco. <laughs> uh, more folks are apparently buying more of their meat directly from the local farmers these days. Which, We're talking like half cows, whole cows, exactly. that kind of buy. Yeah, yeah this is a, a good thing monetarily on a lot of levels, not only for us as consumers, but also for the, the farmers. I've seen relatives actually get a whole or half cow. That allows them to just curb their overall cost per pound in a significant way. Obviously, you got to have a deep freezer in order to, to store all of that meat. Unless you just got a big appetite, buddy. <laughs> Even if you have a big appetite, <laughs> you're not going to get that far. Uh, but what, what are your thoughts on this? Y'all have got... Uh, do you have a fridge or a freezer in your garage? A fridge. A fridge. Yeah. Would you be willing to put in a deep freeze in order to uh, get you get yourself, say, a half cow in order to save? Uh, you know, I think I would consider it, but we've never done it. And But if someone, if let's say, my I think my, my older sister has done this before. And if she reached out to me, she's like, hey, would you guys want to split a half cow? It's going to cost five bucks a pound. And that's that's cheaper than even the cheap cuts of beef or something like that. And you're going to get some of the good stuff too. I would I'd totally consider it. Yeah. Yeah, I think some folks might be hesitant just because they're like, well, you got to you got to buy a fridge or a freezer. You got to buy yeah. a deep freeze. Those, those things aren't cheap, but you can find them on sale. Uh, and the other thing, I feel like the other part of the equation is thinking through like electricity use. And it turns out deep freezes don't use all that much electricity. We actually, you know, we calculated this because here uh, where the studio is, our landlord, he's got his deep freeze plugged into our elect- electricity down in the garage. <laughs> That's right. And he just wanted to make sure that we were cool with that. He's just like, hey, guys, just just so you know uh you know is that okay if we've got the deep freeze down there and we, we were we, like we, we as ca- long as we can get some ribeye out of there every <laughs> once in a while no we, we did the math and it was i mean i'm pretty sure it was, it was less than 50 bucks i think it was closer to 30 bucks a year is what it would cost and so think about how much money you'd be saving per pound yeah. on that beef uh and certainly factor 30 bucks a year into the equation factor in finding a deep freeze on sale or maybe you know on facebook marketplace but i think it could definitely be a way of reducing that growth bill in a major way, especially yeah. if you are a big fan of meat and uh, steak. Yeah. And, and I think one one thing, somebody who's listening, especially if they're if they're vegan or they're really conscious about how much meat they consume, they might be wondering, what about the effects of eating meat on climate change, guys? And you're encouraging people to go eat like three steaks a day? Well, no, not necessarily. Well, And, and uh, <laughs> the, the Atlantic, they actually published a really great article this week about how a world without animal agriculture, it's not necessarily more environmentally friendly than a, a fully vegan world would oh, be. Oh, really? Yeah, which I thought was interesting. It was a really nuanced take. And, and basically mm. what, what they said, Matt, was that a world without meat would require a third more cropland. And large swaths of animal grazing land 
just aren't conducive to anything else. It's not like you could grow crops in some of those areas. And so we totally think that a lot of Americans could stand to eat less meat than they do now. Sure. That's yeah. certainly true, right? <laughs> but uh, eating less meat, especially the more expensive cuts, is going to curb your grocery bill in a meaningful way. So that's just a, that's just a good thing to do if you want to save money. But if you consider the earth, you're considered about, uh, you're worried about overall human flourishing in your eating decisions. I don't know. I thought that was an interesting article and it, it shown some new light on, because I've, I've always kind of been like, I've wondered that. I'm like, is it, is it really that bad for the environment? There's a, there's a, people have different takes on that. And I thought that that article in particular provided just a, a helpful, nuanced view of nice. meat. We should eat less. Yes. Um, and most Americans probably should. Yes. Yeah. And eating less is good for our bottom line too, typically. Nice. Yeah. I, I didn't see that article, but I guess the big question I would uh, bring up would be, what about all the cow farts? Because that's what you always hear about all the cow farts and burps and yeah. the methane that they're producing. I think that's something like 14% of the overall, uh, overall emissions, emissions uh, yeah, yeah, that, come from cows, uh, but, uh, but yeah, livestock. We'll, we'll make sure to link to that. Uh, and, you know, like I feel like we're giving Costco a lot of love. We talked about buying steaks from them. You can also buy a deep freeze from them because <laughs> <laughs> it's going on sale a couple times a year. Uh, let's give some love to, to Sam's Club, or actually, I guess we're kind of throwing shade their way <laughs> because they're raising their membership price from uh, 45 to 50 bucks for like their regular membership, and then from 100 bucks to 110 for its uh, quote unquote plus level. Uh, and so this price hike is going to go into effect on October 17th. But Sam's Club, they will be giving members $5 in uh, Sam's Club bucks. That's what I'll call them <laughs> for the first year of this increase. Uh, so that'll be nice, right? Kind of eases the pain a little bit, gets you used to the idea that the prices are going to be going up, giving you a full 12 months uh, in advance notice. So we wanted to share that. We are more of a Costco dudes here, uh, but Sam's, it's a great warehouse option for a lot of folks, especially if that's the only option that you have in your area. Mm -hmm. uh, and honestly, a $5 increase is probably not going to you know, cause many members to peace out. But like, it is always going to be a good idea to reassess whether or not you're getting enough value out of that membership when your renewal date comes around. It's just like the subscriptions that we often have deducted from our account. We're so prone just to let those charges continue to rack up. And we're not really thinking hard about whether or not we are gaining any value from it, whether we're talking about Netflix or something that typically will save you money, something like a warehouse club. Uh, and so that's something to constantly reassess within your budget. Yeah. Now I'm on the edge of my seat. If you know, see if Costco is going to raise oh its membership price. Yeah, they probably will. The, I don't know. Last time the CEO was interviewed, he was like, it's not on our radar, but it might be now. So we'll see what happens. But uh, Matt, that's going to do it for this episode. We we will, of course, put links to everything that we, we mentioned uh, today on our website at howtomoney.com. That's right. So we hope everyone has a fantastic holiday weekend. Labor Day is going to be on Monday. Don't forget. How could you forget if you've got the day off? I'm sure you're looking forward to that. But don't forget about us. Don't forget about How to Money. We've got a, a great Ask How to Money episode lined up for you where we're going to be taking listener questions. So you can look forward to that. Joel, that's going to be it for today, bud. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. 
From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.